Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Be Her Village podcast. My name is Caitlin Legreas, and I'm the founder of Be Her Village. Be Her Village is an online gift registry for what moms really need, support, not stuff. We're talking to providers and people who care for moms in their pregnancy, their birth, their postpartum. We're talking to real moms and hearing their stories and really just getting into all the good stuff that comes along with new parenthood. So check us out, tune in, and let us know what you think. Hey, happy Sunday morning or whatever day it is that you're listening to. I hope your day is great. In today's episode, Caitlin is talking with Elizabeth Ireland, who is a hypnobirthing instructor based in Detroit, Michigan. I really like this episode because Elizabeth really demystifies this idea of hypnosis. Basically, hypnobirthing is not like a, you know, dangling a watch in front of your face like, oh, you're getting so sleepy and you're going to push this baby out with no pain. Basically, she describes it as a way to really get in tune with your body, to get in tune with um, your own mindset and to be in control of your own thoughts and feelings around the whole the situation of birth. And that it's not just for, you know, people who are having home births with candles lit around their tub, but it's also for the planned C-section and anything in between. They talk about how the power lies within the hands and hearts and the desires of the birthing person. They get into consent and why that's so important in all stages of pregnancy and birth. Well, in life, if we're being honest. And this episode is, once again, another passionate conversation between two women who are really excited about making changes in the birth world. So if you're looking for a hypnobirthing instructor, you we have plenty on our Be Her Village registry, and you can specifically find Elizabeth Ireland and her services on our website, and I've linked her direct link on our page in the show notes. I hope you enjoy this episode. Stay tuned at the end for a little sneak peek announcement about some fun things we have coming up. Hi. Hi. Oh, you have such a good podcast voice. Oh, really? This is my first time uh, podcasting. I'm in my home and the kids are with a sitter. Thank God for babysitters. Can we just like, we, I want to write like an ode to babysitters because they're the only thing that help moms do anything. Right. Yeah. When you're trying to have like a side hustle like this. Or just like an identity outside of mothering. Well, yeah, that too, before I started this. Or sanity, or anything. You just, literally just babysitters. I feel like so deeply grateful to the people who care for my babies. And I was so that person when I was pregnant. I was the most judgmental bitch when I was. Oh, I know. I know, not like I know you, but I was too. (laughs) You're like, yeah, I know, I met you. Um, (laughs) But I was just like, I will never, I will never do that. I will never get a babysitter because I will always be meeting every single need of my child. And now I'm like, if you leave me alone for five minutes, I will give you a pound of sugar. Please get away from me. You know? Like, <laughs> and I'm like such a loving, responsive, like emotionally literate kind of a mom. And yet bribing and like begging children to please give me five minutes so I can do work or I can finish up a call or I can just be is a thing. Yeah. And I do it proudly because we're in a fucking pandemic and like, 
you know what? We're yeah, doing- at this point, any reservations that I had about anything, I'm like, well, nobody's ever had to, you know, yeah. or comparing myself to other moms or all those things, I've let them fade away. Right. So. Like now, the only moms we can compare ourselves to are from 1918. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is even still not the same, you know. Yes, because they had like, I don't know. I don't know what they had, but it feels like it was. Right. Like, I'm really not sure how they survived that because this was rough. So. How messed up is it though that like, I'm pretty sure the moms in 1918, knowing nothing about what life was like then, I'm pretty sure it was easier for them than it is for us right now. I just have a sense about it. Yeah, I'm sure there, there are pieces. Not in terms of like women's equality, <laughs> like that definitely wasn't great, but just in terms of like the amount of stress on moms, on working moms, on like trying to be a perfect parent. They like literally had kids to go work the farm and- Right. Their style, the whole style and like way of living was totally different. Yeah. Like they weren't like doing competitive preschool applications. Not that I ever did that, but you know, there's people, it's like, am I saying 25,000 words a day to my five month old? I remember like reading that once, like feeling inept because I wasn't talking enough out loud to my five month old. I was failing him. You know, it was just, there was just constant reminders of failure. And I feel like in 1918, if you kept your kid alive, boom, done. Success. Yeah. yeah. So you are Elizabeth Ireland, who is from where and what do you do? Ah, so I'm from Metro Detroit. I teach hypnobirthing, specifically on the east side of Metro Detroit, a town around here called St. Clair Shores. And hypnobirthing is a childbirth education class. So my job as a childbirth educator is to prepare parents to give birth uh, in whatever their ideal vision of birth is. I try and help prepare them to achieve that. I really enjoy that now that you feel like the podcast started, what? your hypnosis voice. That was really <laughs> such a good transition. When we were talking about pandemic mom, we were just like, yeah, fuck that. This is hard. It was like a hot mess. <laughs> so you were like, I am a hypnosis. <laughs> what I sound like. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. I've always wondered if, you know, if others find my voice relaxing, because there's definitely oh, when God. you listen to meditations and things like that, it probably jives with different people differently, I suppose. Everybody has their own style, but I have always wondered that. I like it a lot. So we have a lot to talk about. I'm gonna just like, we're, it's gonna be like this, conversational. What, for like those that are totally uninitiated, what the hell is hypnobirthing and why? <sighs> Made up, is it fake, is it real? Is it like clucking like a chicken? Like what even is? Yeah. So possibly we didn't do ourselves any favors when we titled it that, but, uh, it is evidence-based. So to answer that question, it is real. There is research to support it. And I teach, um, what's called Mongan method hypnobirthing. So there's a couple different ways you can certify to be a hypnobirthing instructor. And so I work for what's called the Hypnobirthing International Institute. And um, we collect data on parents who take our class and the rates of interventions that they have in their births and what types of births they have. And then we can compare those rates to US average and um, 
other averages across the globe because this particular one is taught internationally. And we know that parents who take our class have lower rates of intervention in their birth than parents um, who don't. That so powerful. That's a big there's, deal. There's that, yeah. And there's some other research behind it. So that answers that question, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, but what is it, now that you know that it's legit? Um, now that we know we can actually have this conversation. Right. <laughs> test of whether we should continue. So you pass. <laughs> Let's keep talking. Okay, great. <laughs> so, um, hypnosis is, when you boil it down, it's opening yourself up to suggestibility. So our brain waves, we have brain waves, right? And they're like high, fast moving when we're at a normal waking level and then they slow way down when we're sleeping. So when you relax yourself through guided imagery, visualization, me using my hypnosis voice like this, when you relax yourself, you slow those brain waves down, maybe right above the level of sleeping. And you can open up, you can access the thoughts and feelings in your subconscious mind. And I know it sounds a little woo, but <laughs> again, there's science behind it, right? There's psychology behind it. Uh, so when you open up and you can think about and deal with those feelings in the subconscious mind as it relates to birth, you can take all the fear that we have of birth because moms have a lot of fear and it comes at us from all directions. So we can deal with that so that you can get rid of it because it has no place in your birthing space and you can replace it with positive imagery, positive beliefs about birth and about your body. Uh, so it's just relaxing yourself and being suggestible to those, those suggestions for lack of a better way of saying it, I guess. Multiple suggestions. It sounds perfectly normal. <laughs> not um, well phrased. That's really okay. We're not here for perfection. Um, I just had, I am taking extreme, anybody who's listening to this, I am retired. I'm not a doula, but I'm actively on call for two people. So I was on call, I was on a call with one of them last night and, you know, she's going for a VBAC, which is, I'm a VBAC mama. It's like one of those things where something didn't work last time, typically, is you mm -hmm. know, whether the baby was breached, whether there was a condition. Like most VBACs are not because like someone planned a C-section and then planned a vaginal birth. Although I do know people that that is the case. So mm -hmm. generally speaking. But basically what it came down to was like, I really feel like birth is and this percentage is completely made up as most percentages are, is like 98% mental, emotional, and 2% physical. Like there's just, of course there's a physical process, but I just, I feel like the vast majority of it is this mental, emotional. And I it say is. that not to like moralize, like if your body didn't open, then clearly you failed to like address that. I'm just trying to say that as like, we need to recognize that part of it. And I feel like that's where hypnobirthing and other preparations that tap into our mindset are impactful. Would you agree with that? I would definitely agree with that. It's, it's your hormones at play. So you're probably aware when you're pregnant, you have a complex cocktail of hormones running through your system and your, your fight, flight, or freeze response plays into that. So if something scares you and you have your stress hormones come up, then they're going to shut down the positive hormones of birth. And so 
all the feelings, all the mental, emotional stuff comes into play a lot. But like you said, not in any way, and this is a huge piece, uh, a thing that I believe really strongly in is not not the mom guilt, man. Like, <laughs> lady, we have, there's so much of it. And I am not here to criminalize one type of birth and tell you, you need to do it naturally. I think we do ourselves a real disservice as moms by, by having it so black and white, like this camp or that camp. Um, and that just bugs the crap out of me. So I make a big deal of that in my classes, that this is about you and what you want. You do your research. Let me show you where to go find the information. But I, I have very strong feelings about this too. So I'm glad we're going to like hypnobirthing cool, but also like, let's let's go there. Let's (laughs) go into this because I feel really strongly about that. But I also feel like we have to separate it out into like two ideas because, because I feel like the natural birth movement, if we could just Mm -hmm. like stable, there's a natural birth, like no epidurals, midwives are great. Home birth is amazing. Like, let's shoot for this. No interventions, primal birth, whatever, physiological birth, hands on. Yeah. And then you have the medicalized, like, you know, epidurals, mm-hmm. doctors, hospitals, whatever. So there's these two kind of camps. And I feel like the natural birth community needs to exist. And mm-hmm. part of like how they have come about is because of the absolute failures of the medicalized birth community. <laughs> like, I think that's a strong statement, but I'm not. That's one way of saying it, but yeah. And, and so I say that because I feel like on a systemic level, we need people speaking up about maternal mortality rates, about black maternal t- mortality mm-hmm. rates. For anyone who's listening and doesn't know already is four times as many as white women, um, mm-hmm. and 12 times as many as white women, as 12 times as many black women are dying in New York City than white women when mm-hmm. they're in that maternal uh, motherhood year. So we need to talk about that. We need to talk about the interventions. We need to talk about how these this over-intervention and this ignoring the physiological and ignoring our capability and not having midwives and and all of that is the cause of injury and death and risk and women and mothers and birthing people are being failed so like we have to talk about that and there's so much value in that conversation and then at the exact same time you have like these sweet individuals who are just like getting pregnant because it's just like their time to get pregnant and then suddenly perhaps are feeling like they get a barrage of you have to do this and there's only one way and you can't have like having an epidural is failing. There's all these ideas that kind of get put on them intentionally or not because people are trying to arm them and prepare them for this system that mm-hmm. is really not set up for their success. But it can be difficult to like, it can feel judgmental. It can feel like a lot of pressure. Yeah. And then there are the people who go into it aiming for a physiological birth and X, Y, Z happens and their birth story turns out different than they imagined. And that can lead to a lot of guilt and a lot of feelings of my body failed me. So the whole, yeah, the whole polarized thing doesn't serve anybody well in the end. It really doesn't. Cause I think what happens, at least what I see happening is like, mm-hmm people like moralize or demonize certain tools yeah and tools don't have 
any, there's not good or bad. It's like, they just exist. It's about how you use them. It's about the consent around. Very well put. Yes. Consent is a word that needs to come up in this. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. Go for it. Oh, well, (laughs) you want to talk about consent? Let's talk about consent. Like what is happening? Why are we talking about consent? What does that even look like? Oh, sure. So like the maternal care system, you kind of alluded to this, the maternal care system exists and the problems with the medicalization of birth exist within a bigger problematic system and that's the patriarchy. And in this glad we got here so early on in our podcast. (laughs) Oh man, we're going deep at the patriarchy. Cool. Let's do it. Yeah. So it's a, it's a big part of why I'm in birth work. It's a very feminist issue to me. Um, and all the, so, cause you can't talk about consent without talking about just in general, how, um, women's bodies and their autonomy surrounding their bodies are treated within our larger society. And then that impacts this one specific little area, which is, um, when you're pregnant, how people treat your body from the strangers in the grocery store who feel like they have the right to touch your belly to the obstetricians and even the midwives who do things like a vaginal check, a cervical check without asking or ask to do a cervical check, but then sweep your membranes and don't tell you they're going to do that, right? There should always, okay, it sounds so obvious. You should always give consent before someone puts their fingers in your vagina, right? Like, duh. (laughs) Sounds really obvious, but it's actually not. Yet it happens so often. And so often birth, you know, pregnant people defer to the medical people professionals as the professionals, right? So they know what's right. They know what's best. This is their area of expertise. I'll just let them do to me whatever they need to, but we would never stand for that type of thing in any other realm, like in your relationship, in your career, you wouldn't let someone just, you know, treat you the way that some people get treated. Quite honestly, like I love bringing it into those other areas because I, I, that's how I empower some of my clients. I'm like, mm-hmm. they feel so disempowered in this medical system, but they, Hey, like you're a freaking high powered attorney for your day job. Like throw that attorney hat on and go talk to your doctor, you know, right? like use those skills. But at the same time, like even just extrapolate it to like cardiac care. Like you, when you have a cardiac patient or an orthopedic patient, like people are spoken to with respect and mm-hmm. there isn't this like strange power dynamic of a like dynamic, of, of you are a poor mother and you are not protecting your baby unless you listen to me like everything is in service of the baby like the baby becomes this almost a weapon that's used against people in their own births i don't know if yeah. you know how many lnd rooms you've been in but like but the decision making goes from like well you know, we're recommending this. Mom's like, well, I don't know. Well, it's, you know, it's for the baby. It's like, obviously for the baby, because we're concerned about the baby, which leaves this like empty end of that sentence, which is, and you're not, if you don't agree to this thing. Yes. It's very that's, problematic. Right. That's what's implied there. And it strips away all the power from the birthing person. Um, and then they leave. That's why people leave their birth experiences feeling traumatized sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I, and I, 
suppose I don't want to be like totally doomsday because then this is what we're working to change. And it starts with letting people know that it's an issue because I think sometimes people don't even realize that they can have a voice, that they can ask questions. And that's what I spend so much time in my classes doing is talking about here's how to phrase a question to your provider about, you know, you don't have to say, are you going to allow me to birth on my hands and knees? <laughs> Because that's not whether or not they allow you. You can say, what positions do you typically let moms or do moms typically birth? And what are you comfortable helping me out with? And how would, what would that look like in the birth room? Um, so we spend a lot of time talking about that. And I spend a lot of time with partners talking about how mom is going to be in labor land. She's going to be in her own little mental space and not really in the place in the place where she's going to want to advocate for herself. I love that quote that, you know, the birthing woman should not have to educate her mom about her birth plan, educate her nurse about her birth plan. She should just be treated like the queen that she is. Yeah. <laughs> so I spend time talking to the partners about, okay, let her do her birth thing. And if, if some advocating needs to happen in the birthing room, then that's your job. And here's where you step in and here's how you do it. So she can stay in the zone, so to speak. I think part of, I just want to like underline part of what you're saying and like shout it from the rooftops because it's what mm -hmm. I say to people is that so much of the advocacy work of the birth room is done in your office visits. It's yes. not about like, la-di-da, la-di-da, I'm going to advocate really hard when I'm in labor. You're in labor land when you're in labor. You don't want to be doing that then. No, it's way too late. It's just way too late. The time that you advocate is asking questions like you know the women if if this is what I want this is like my vision like I like to have people draw a Venn diagram like so this is the birth that you want and and right. maybe it's like epidural you know birthing on hands and knees laboring in a tub which you know I don't, I don't know how that all works but whatever let's just say that's your plan hey sure if, your <laughs> provider, if they're normal doesn't even remotely overlap with that you're going to have a bad time. I don't know how else to phrase it. But, but you're not going to, you can't find that stuff out when you're already in the labor and delivery room. You have to be questioning, questioning. And I, I find a lot of um, clients will say like, I give them, I actually give them the list of questions and like, yeah, same. like go interview your provider right now and like three other people, or even just go sit in a room with midwife and ask, and also like, just see how, how just see how it feels to be in the room with midwife. But a lot of times they'll say, Oh, like they'll look at the list of like 25 questions. And they're like, I, I don't even think I can ask any questions of my provider. It just goes so fast and there's not really room for it. And I'm like, okay. I hear you because I've been in those appointments. They're fast and they go, but like, yeah. that's your first indication. That's your first little red flag. How do you feel when you're in the room? Like, forget the questions. How do you feel? Do you feel powerful? Do you feel like a peer? Do you feel like you can converse and create a care plan for yourself as one of the decision makers and like newsflash, you're the only decision maker, but whatever, you know, like that's, we're clearly not at that step. Taking anymore. steps toward that, right? You're at a place where you can't even ask your doctor a question. You're not yet stepping into your power as the only decision maker for your birth and your body and your baby. Mm -hmm. But let's get there by like, if you can't ask a question that tells you information and like, let's go from there. But there's this idea and it's, I think it's like people are waking up to it. You can't just walk in. The labor is done 
in pregnancy, in this preparation, taking your class, hiring a doula, getting that list of questions, interviewing providers. That's mm -hmm. the thing that really has the impact. Yeah, I like that phrase a lot. The labor is done in pregnancy. The, yeah. the work of it all is done. T-shirt or something. <laughs> right, you could like sell some something with that on it. <laughs> Wrap Be Her Village as a gift registry and just start a motivational t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, hmm, about that. Or maybe I could do both. Um, so I would love to kind of go deeper from this medicalized versus natural birth community. Like how, how do you in your class, like what is the important thing? What is, you know, how do we make for somebody who maybe feels safer? Like there are just people that literally feel really safe with the idea of going to the hospital, getting an epidural, having a doctor tell them what to do. That feels good for them. And like, there's nothing wrong with that, but like exactly. how do we then ensure an empowered and positive birth experience with people who are ambivalent or definitely want medical advice. How, how are we navigating that as well? Yeah. How are you navigating that? Sure. Well, the first thing, and I guess this keeps coming up, is that guilt. So I talk to moms who know they want an epidural hands down and they don't want me to try to change their mind. And I'm like, great, I'm not going to try to change your mind. And I don't want you to feel bad about it at all. There is no right or wrong way to give birth. You cannot fail at birth. And I kind of try to hammer that message home to them. And we, I, I also focus on, um, you know, everybody else who has opinions and everybody's going to tell you their birth story or their thoughts and they're well-meaning, but leave it at the door, like say, no, thank you. Or say, okay, that might be your story. Me and baby are going to make our own story. Uh, and we'll see how this all goes, right? So I try to spend time with them. And I just had a student come back to me and say that she appreciated that, that I helped wipe away the guilt of, you know, she knew she wanted an epidural. She knew she wanted certain interventions. Um, and that was right for her. And then she felt so, it was her second baby. And so she just felt a lot more at peace at the end of the whole thing because we got rid of all that just crap from the rest of society that makes you feel a certain kind of way or that you have to do it or you're not good enough if you don't do it this way. So that's a big, big piece of it, I think, is just helping them, like you said, step into their power, right? Helping them own their decisions and know that their intuition, if they follow their own intuition, that's going to lead them to do what's best for them and what's best for baby. I love that. And you just said something that I just want to like, this is what I want to put on a t-shirt. You, you cannot fail at birth. Right. You cannot fail at birth. And I think what we really need to be doing is decoupling the outcomes, the medical interventions, how the baby comes out of our body with this idea of whether we failed or succeeded. Because the truth is like, there's things we can control. There's things we can't control. And most of the times the medical stuff is not in our control. The empowering stuff is getting the information, having the conversations, being part of the decision-making and feeling like you have that voice and you have that power, but you can't, you can't fail at birth. I just, you just can't, it's not a competition for, 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 for starters. 
Right. It's really a personal internal experience about kind of stepping into your own power and finding your own wisdom and your own internal guide rather than relying on the external factor. Exactly. A hundred percent. Boom. Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about how you got drawn into this work? How did you, what's your story? Like, what did you do? Who were you before you were a hypnobirthing instructor? So my story starts way before I ever got pregnant for the first time. Um, I had a really bad couple experiences with birth control and with gynecologists and the whole bodily autonomy thing that we're talking about. Um, And that led me down a path of reading about... um, about women's bodies and women's wisdom. There's actually, a, that's the title of the book by Dr. Christine Northrop, right? So that was the first one that I read. And, and it planted the seed in my mind that when I got pregnant for the first time, I knew I wanted a natural birth. So I took hypnobirthing when I was pregnant with my first, had, um, you know, it's like, a, it's like a spectrum. I didn't have a hundred percent natural birth. I had a few interventions. I was hooked up to a few things, but, um, Oh, speaking of that person. Speaking of that birth, here comes the product of it. <laughs> right. Okay. I just love that it's not me because I, I do this all the time. Like you have to do that like super calm mom voice, like because someone's on Zoom watching me. So just it's recorded. Like typically, I mean, they're used to walking in on me. Just like normally, I don't care. Please leave the room. <laughs> just, just that, like quiet shaking like I need you to go (laughs) yeah exactly we'll see how this goes here imagine Uh, we're in 1918 how much easier this would be yeah I would be like anyway you'd be in a field right now it would be so much easier so so I went down this path of research and I knew I wanted a natural birth. So when I got pregnant with my first, like within the first few weeks, I told my husband, I want to do this naturally. And, and he said, okay, sure. Whatever works for you. He had no idea what he was getting himself into that. I would like turn into this birth nerd, but I did, I had a really good experience with her birth. It did go, you know, not a hundred percent according to what I envisioned in my head. And I think that experience helps me as an educator now because I can identify with moms and talk to them about this. It's not, it's not so black and white. You don't either have a perfect natural birth or a hundred, you know, all the, all the interventions, it's a continuum and you'll probably fall somewhere in the middle, in the gray space. And it can still be a beautiful experience. So I had that. And then I just, I hung around a lot of birth workers after that. I would go to these, there was a midwife who had a birth circle in my area and I would attend the meetings and everyone would walk around or, you know, go around the circle and introduce themselves. I'm a doula, I'm a birth photographer. And I would say, I'm Elizabeth. I don't know what I am, but I just like you guys. (laughs) Honest to goodness, that is what I did. I just want to hang out with you. Please let me 
I did for like a year. And then it, after asking, you know, having conversations with this midwife and talking and thinking about, well, I'm not ready for the on-call life of a doula because I have young children. So this is what I landed on is, is certifying as a childbirth educator. And I did it with the same program that I took a class in for my first. I've gone on to have, um, to, you know, since, since I certified to be an educator, then I had two more babies and I also have two angel babies. So I feel like I run the <laughs> gamut of experience at this point to, like I said, identify with students, but that's how I ended up in, in birth work. That's beautiful. Let's talk about gifts because Be Her Village is a gift registry. Oh my gosh. You're going to get me going. Okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Did you have a baby shower? Did you get gifts? What it, What was your experience? Okay. <laughs> I did have a baby shower. I did get a lot of gifts. We didn't know the sex of our baby. It was going to be a surprise. We tried to register for all these neutral things. And then when she was born, she was a girl. And my husband and I refer to that as the pink explosion because then people just like, brought all the pink and we were like oh but we wanted it to still be neutral even though you know it doesn't and I spent back to my registry I spent an undue amount of time editing that thing like and making sure it was perfect and now that I've been a parent for eight years I've really gotten into minimalism like that's the other thing that I'm a geek about in my life. <laughs> so, so I feel really strongly about the idea just in general of experiences over stuff. And yeah, I, I've been, I have a, so I'm a mom of three as well. My oldest is eight. He's about to be nine and like under mm -hmm. crazy so fast. Um, but I feel like minimalism like I'm not full but like you nobody would walk into my house and be like she's a minimalist but also I just feel kind of shocked that nobody would say that considering I constantly try to get rid of things and constantly try to stop the influx of stuff into my life it is a constant thing it's constant because there's birthdays and there's gifts and there's grandparents and there's sometimes you just go to five below and you get your kids some stuff so you can have a nice yeah, day, you random, all, yeah all the things it drives me crazy <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's actually like there is a relationship between a lot of stuff and anxiety. And I think yes. mothers in particular, especially if they're home taking care of children, but even if not, like it, I just think that there's a direct correlation. I know if my countertops are full of stuff, I'm more anxious than like literally just throw it in the, in the sink. Like I just want to just not, it doesn't even have to be done. Just, just not see it clear make me feel like a better human being than when they're not. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So what, what has been your experience with like your students and gifts? Do you see them? Is it hard for you to watch people kind of like loading up on the stuff yeah. they don't need and so hard in cash to like pay for what you know that they're actually going to need? Like, tell me about what that feels like for you. So my favorite is when students ask me 
about baby products or they say, you know, I know this is a birth class, but could I just ask your opinion on such and such? And then I go, oh, yes, you can, because let me tell you, you know, yeah, absolutely. If it, if it feels important to you, have that splurge item. I think people like to have, everybody has it. It could be the snoo or the up a baby or set like people want to have some, they'll, people get particular about something. So I say, go ahead. Yeah, go do that. Like register. And there are certain things that will be helpful, baby wearing, um, things like that. And I say, and you really should consider all the things that you can put in place to make your postpartum go smoothly because your only job is to get to know baby. And we, in, in class, like it's five weeks, my class is five weeks long and class number five is all about breastfeeding and postpartum and infant care. So I throw, I throw it in there, like be gentle with yourself, give yourself all the grace in the world and do everything you can to set up such and such. And I'll refer, there's a few local businesses in Metro Detroit that I really love to call out. There's one that's like a vegan meal delivery service that is, I always give everybody their card. I'm like, you need them because (laughs) who doesn't need food? And then- And like home cooked food, not pizza and McDonald's. Like- Yeah. Like real good food. Yeah. And I'll introduce them to the idea because I think people don't even know that that such a thing as a postpartum doula exists. So I'll introduce them to that idea and talk about here's my referrals for lactation consultants and all all those types of things. Um, And I think some of it, I think it's the type of thing that parents need to hear over and over and over because it's almost such a foreign idea in our society that it takes a village, (laughs) but we're such an individualistic society. And we think that we can just pop this baby out and stand on our own two feet and we're the parents and we got this. But so to surrender that, you have to hear this idea and you have to hear this repeated to you over and over. So I think a lot of times when I say it to students in my class, if it's the first time that they're hearing the idea of you need more support than you need stuff. I feel like you just hit on something, which is this idea, this like American idea that we're failures if we need help. And it's not that you're a failure. It's actually that you deserve it and you're being failed if you have to do this completely on your own with no Uh support. When I, I've started being in touch with people in countries around the world because they're actually, it's like one of the shocking parts of Be Her Village is that people from all these different countries are like, hi, can we get this going in our city? I love that. And I'm like, wow. Sure. Abu Dhabi. Sure. Like Switzerland. That's not a city. Like, awesome. like it's all over the world. They're like reaching out to bring Be Her Village to their communities. And I'm like trying to figure out why. And I think, I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons, but the big one is in those countries, they already value supporting mothers. So we don't have to do the explaining. What happens as I'm like conversing with these people is I'm starting to get angry and like angrier about our American problem because Mm -hmm. we're like, doulas are not mainstream. Postpartum doulas are like even less mainstream. People just literally like 
ask how the baby is, and you should be back in your pre-pregnancy genes, breastfeeding for two years with no support and back to work with no paid childcare, no paid maternity leave. Like you should just be doing everything, but with absolutely no help. And in these other countries, they have built in systematic support. They have people visiting you in your home, bringing you meals, taking care of you, taking care of your baby. They have like, women don't get out of bed for like a month in those countries. They care for them. And then when they get cleared from like their 10th or 15th medical visit in six weeks postpartum, they then automatically get enrolled in like pelvic floor physical therapy group classes. So they meet other moms, they lay on a floor, their babies are there, they all do Kegels. It's like a fun time. And that's just like the standard. That's just the standard. And here we're, we have $900 strollers and people are just struggling, just struggling alone in our tiny little boxes, disconnected from one another, trying to like throw on some lipstick to kind of look like we're doing okay on social media. And nobody's really talking about the fact that we need support, but more than we need it, but that we deserve it. We deserve to feel good. We deserve to be supported. We deserve care. Yes. We deserve care. We deserve for our mental health and our well-being to be a priority. Absolutely. I love it. Well, right before we sign off, I just want to give you the opportunity. If you have pregnant people or growing families or, you know, whoever listening to this, like speaking directly to them, what is your piece of advice for people who are welcoming a baby into their family? Oh, wow. I knew there would be one podcast question that would be like, oh boy, I got to think of a good answer. Get right for the end, the really hard one. This is the trick. <laughs> oh man, um, I think my piece of advice would be to find a space where you can ask all your questions. Be that space you know, you take a childbirth education class and you can ask your educator or you find a prenatal yoga class and you can ask the moms in that class your questions. Find a space where you can ask all the questions because you're not the only one with a lot of questions. We all have that at no matter what number pregnancy it is too, right? There are, there are questions, there are resources that we're looking for and we want help finding them. So I think the best places to do that are things like I mentioned, like a childbirth class or a yoga class. Um, and then once you start to ask those questions, it'll lead you down the road of finding the information that you need to have your ideal birth. And childbearing experience. So beautiful. Part of what feels beautiful to me about what you just said is that the flip side of that is like, it's not just the asking the question. It's like tap into the wisdom that other women hold, right? Like we have it. There is a collective wisdom of people who are birthing and bringing forth life and going through birth. And you don't have to figure it out completely alone. You don't have to go to Google like just tap into it. The resources, the help, the information, the community, the friendship is all right there waiting for you. And it makes it so much better and so much more enjoyable. Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. Thank you, Elizabeth. This has been Thank the best. I love hanging out with you. And when we come to Detroit, we need to hang out. Yes. You know, we're having a huge expo in Detroit, so we need to talk about that too. But okay. October 24th, Shed 5, Eastern Market. 
um, yeah, we're doing it. We're throwing a motherhood expo. And so hooray. Yeah, lots of things, lots of amazing things coming to Detroit. And it's like, it's people like you, I can't wait to meet in person and hug and just be excited about with. So thank you so much for having me. Of course. It's so my pleasure. Talk to you soon. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the Be Her Village podcast. So we referenced it in the last episode and we referenced it a little bit here, but we have something super exciting happening in Detroit on October 24th of this year. So for more details and information, Caitlin is going to be going live on our Instagram page at Be Her Village on August 2nd in the evening. We haven't really nailed down the time yet, but we're going to talk about what's happening and what we're so excited about. If you want to be in the loop, you can join our email list, which you can find on our page, beherevillage.com. And you can keep up to date with our Instagram pages. We're going to be posting things there frequently. And make sure you tune in August 2nd to hear Caitlin talk about it live. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great day.